Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar who will be your host in this retrospective edition of Fake News. This year, this week really, it marked the first anniversary of January 6th of 2021, the day a group of rioters and morons stormed through the Capitol doors in Washington, D.C. Their motivation was stupid. It was nonsensical. They were crazed Donald Trump supporters who wanted to stop the certification of the 2020 presidential election. They had no actual plan, which is why they were cleared out within three hours of the first person entering the Capitol. Which is just in time because if your insurrection lasts longer than four hours, I think you're supposed to call your doctor or something. By the end of the evening, the election results were certified as scheduled. Democracy was never at risk. The government was not in danger of being overthrown. Nobody died from it other than one of the protesters who was shot by a Capitol policeman. Now, just to briefly recap the timeline of that, of that day, this was not even a situation where the politicians, like, narrowly avoided a loss of life, okay? The lawmakers, they were in the Senate chamber. They were doing their job. The crowd outside started to get antsy, a bit active. The security inside thought it would be best to move the politicians to safety. They did that at 2.20 p.m. The rioters didn't even come into the Senate chamber until 3 p.m. So there was actually about 40 minutes between the Congress people exiting the chamber and anyone else coming into it. And I, honestly, I was actually kind of surprised to learn that um, as I was just doing a little bit of research this week. But from the way the politicians had talked over the past year, I, I thought they actually had to hustle everybody out of the chamber like just in time before the mob barged in. Uh, AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, like she always does, she tried to make herself out to be the biggest victim. She went on Instagram Live later in the year talking about all this, crying about how she was afraid she was going to be assaulted, how she had PTSD. Turns out she wasn't even in the building that the Capitol rioters entered. <laughs> She's just a liar. Now, all that said, I don't want to downplay the significance of this event just because the rest of the world is being overdramatic about it. Yes, I do believe this was a dark day in American history. This was political violence. This political violence was committed by Republicans. And the Capitol building is politically sacred ground. But as you're going to see, what I'm also not going to downplay is the violence of the left that also led up to this. I'm going to go into detail on that. But the Republicans did cross a line here that even the left had not crossed before. They invaded the Capitol at a time that congressmen and women were conducting their constitutional duties. And this did cross a line. So when I see the Democratic left overhyping this, I can't blame them. Um, yesterday, it was the, the one-year anniversary of January 6th. Congress, they were having a candlelight vigil. You know, they made many emotional speeches yesterday. It was pathetic. It was shameless. But I can't blame them for doing what politicians do because the Republicans, they did make it so easy for them to milk this thing. I really blame the Republicans that day. Who made this so easy for them? The Republican activists on that day gave the Democratic left a lot of firepower to use against them. 
Now, I do think the Democrats are being dishonest in how they frame it. But if they are going to use this to hang the Republicans, I just want to point out, Republicans did provide the rope. So all that said, if you want my opinion about Donald Trump's role in all of this and what I thought of the claims that he made that the election was stolen, you can go back and listen to our previous episode because I did cover that where I talked about how the it's called the Washington Post is a threat to our democracy. And I consider the Washington Post a greater threat to American democracy than anything that these loony Republican activists did on January 6th of 2021. So go listen to that if you want some more context about for my opinion today. Today, I just actually, I want to talk about some of the big lies that are surrounding January 6th. Because the Democrats are using this to make political hay, and the media is giving them the, giving them the platform that they desire. But there were a lot of lies told about that day, a lot of important context that the Democrats leave out. And so we're going to review it today. Perhaps you're familiar with the classic phrase, a lie can run around the world before the truth can get its pants on. Well, there were many lies that took off on January 6th of 2021. Lies that took days to be disproven. Some lies that are still perpetuated today. And for at least a year now, the left has successfully prevented the truth from catching up. So today, while the truth is still trying to get its belt tied, I'm going to give you the naked truth about January 6th, 2021. So as we get into this, I want to I want to start by making two important points about the context of January 6, 2021. Two very important points about the context of that day that the left and the media want to leave out when they recount the events that led up to January 6th. Okay, and here's one important point I want to make about the context. The political left constantly complains about elections being fraudulent and stolen. They want you to forget this because right now it is politically advantageous for them to say our elections can't be stolen and that anyone who says that is just a conspiracy theorist and uh, promoting misinformation. And they'll get you kicked off of social media for even saying this. They'll say this because right now the political left is kind of in charge of the government. And so they don't want anyone delegitimizing them. But any time that Republicans win an election... Not every time, but frequently, especially on presidential elections, the political left will constantly complain that it was fraudulent or stolen. They will try to delegitimize the Republican presidents every time. They want you to forget this, but this is always what they do. Okay, when when Al Gore lost to George Bush in the year 2000, and it really came down to the state of Florida because it was so close. And Florida itself had a very narrow margin of victory for George Bush. They recounted the votes in Florida three times, and every single time, George Bush came out ahead. Finally, the Supreme Court said, no, stop counting. To this day, though, Democrats will claim that that election was stolen by Republicans because they thought, oh, if we just count the votes a fourth time and then a fifth time, eventually Al Gore will come out ahead. Well, they did recount it three times, and every time George Bush was ahead. To this day, Democrats will claim that Al Gore was the rightful winner of that election and that, re- that Republicans stole it, that the, the Supreme Court handed them the presidential victory. All the Supreme Court did was tell them they had to stop counting and recounting and recounting the votes. They just finally put a stop to it, which was their job to do. Then uh, Stacey Abrams, okay, she ran for governor in Georgia 
In 2018, she lost by thousands and thousands of votes, yet she never conceded that race. And the media and the Democrats always backed her up. I think in 2020 at the DNC, I, wasn't she introduced as governor of Georgia at the 2020 DNC? Because they had not given up the lie that she lost in 2018. And she never conceded that race. Just like, honestly, Donald Trump has never conceded the presidential race of last year or two years ago now. He never conceded. This is part of why he got kicked off social media. This is the great, terrible, horrible sin that Donald Trump has committed. Well, by the way, Stacey Abrams has never to this day conceded that she lost in Georgia in 2018. This is just business as usual for the Democrats. And let's not forget Hillary Clinton. Okay, a few months ago, she said that if you cast any doubts on the 2020 election, she said you are dividing the country and doing Russia's work. She said you're, you're doing Russia's work if you weaken our country by dividing us, by claiming the 2020 election was, was not fair, that it was stolen. And yet, the week before the 2020 election, she was still saying the 2016 election was stolen. She was telling Biden not to concede. She said, don't let Trump steal another election. And she always considered Trump an illegitimate president, illegitimate president because he beat her. He beat her fair and square. But the Democrats never wanted to accept that. That's why they launched a three-year Russia investigation to try to delegitimize Trump and try to say that Russia had stolen the election for him. They claimed this for years. And now when a Republican started to do it, they acted like it was the worst thing in the world to do the same to do the same thing that they do all the time. So I just want to make that important point about context because that should not be forgotten. Point one is that the political left constantly complains about elections being fraudulent or stolen. Another important point about context that we need to establish is that the political left routinely engages in political violence and Democrat politicians encourage it. Okay? Again, the political left routinely engages in political violence and Democrat politicians encourage it. So, speaking of the 2020 election there, Washington, D.C. was full of rioting in January of 2017 when Trump was inaugurated. Go back and look at the news from that day. Go watch video clips. I saw some being shared yesterday because the left was pretending they never throw a hissy fit when a Republican wins. Go look at when Trump was being inaugurated. In Washington, D.C., there was vandalism going on. There were rocks being thrown through shop windows, spray paint everywhere, masked hooligans walking the streets, people beating each other up, people throwing fireworks and flashbang grenades. There were multiple officers injured. They were setting fires and doing destruction of property, vehicles. And whenever Trump was possibly going to win on election night in 2020, they were, they were ready to riot that night. They were all charged up. They were geared up for if Trump was announced as the winner, they were going to riot and loot again. There, I remember there was someone shot that night in D.C. The tension was just so high. And then, of course, everyone went home and they didn't announce a winner until days later. But, 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 they were ready to go again. And they did constant riots and looting I mean, the, the Black Lives Matter fiasco of 2020. And they had had other instances in the years before that, too, of, of anarchy and violence. And Antifa. Let's not forget about Antifa, that it's this 
far-left radical militant group, people who do commit violence, arson, all that kind of stuff, they would do that on a regular basis for years, ever since, basically ever since Trump won, Antifa would act up. They called themselves anti-fascists, anti-fascists, but they were just <laughs> committing actual fascism themselves on their, on their own small scale. And don't forget Chaz or Chopper, whatever it ended up being called. When they declared to have an autonomous zone, I think this was in Portland. It was, it was somewhere up on the, uh, on the West Coast in one of those far left radical liberal cities. And they declared autonomy from the U.S. government and said they were starting their own little empire over there. People got raped and killed over there in Chaz. <sighs> so the, the political left routinely engages in political violence. And not only that, Democrat politicians encourage it. They encourage it. Okay, I'm going to play a video right here. This is a video, and you've, you've maybe heard this before, but I think this video is so effective. It's just a compilation of how the political left, not just random people, but talking heads on the news, politicians. The first one you're going to hear is Nancy Pelosi. Encouraging violence, using violent rhetoric, the same thing that they accused Trump of, the same thing that they say led to the January 6th so-called insurrection. The same thing that they actually did. I mean, what, the words that they said actually did lead to a lot of political violence in the year of 2020. You're going to see it. Listen to how politicians talked. And obviously it's, it's audio only, so you can't see the visuals. There's visuals of people like Kathy Griffin holding up a, a fake severed head of, uh, of Donald Trump, of Snoop Dogg in a music video that he did pretending to shoot Donald Trump of actors in New York City and Central Park putting on a play where they pretend to kill Donald Trump, all this, all this kind of stuff. This is what the left has been doing for years. While, while today they clutch their pearls over right-wing violence. They encouraged and cheered on left-wing violence for years, and their own spokespeople incited it with their words. Let me play a clip for you. By the way, this has some bad language in it. The strong language is censored. There is also some mild language that's uncensored, uh, from Joe Biden at least in this video. I'm just going to warn you in case you have small children. I don't think this is the kind of thing that's going to scar you or a small child nearby, but I'm just going to warn you there's some mild language in this clip. I'm going to go ahead and play it. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless. When they go low, we kick them. How do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? The biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. I thought he should have punched him in the face. I said, even if you lost, he insulted your wife. Yes. He came down the escalator and called Mexicans rapists and murders. He said, well, what do you think I should have done? I said, I think you should have punched him in the face and then gotten out of the race. You, you would have been a hero. I'd like to punch him in the face. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Punch some people in the face! When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump, and that's a fact. Look as his character is stabbed to death. Where is John Wilkes Booth when you need him? That's it right there, pulling up. I have thought 
an awful lot about blowing up the White House. A Missouri state senator is under investigation by the Secret Service after saying she hopes President Trump is assassinated. I will go and take Trump out tonight. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and our honoring our Constitution uh, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be, everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't, they're not going to let up, and they should not. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. The political left routinely engages in political violence, and Democratic politicians encourage it. Now, you heard in that video Nancy Pelosi. You heard people who are contributors and hosts on news networks, major news networks. Actors, celebrities, all kinds of people. Encouraging violence right there. And I know I just played a video. I've got a little bit more. I'm just going to play a little bit more. This is more liberals, more people in the press which are the exact same thing. And and they're giving a pass to liberal violence by Antifa and by Black Lives Matter. Listen in this clip how they make excuses for violence when it's violence coming from the political left. I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. In the eyes of the law, yes. But in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. They are strictly principled anti-fascists. And what they see in the Trump administration and what they see happening in this country, they see, they see the neo-fascism that we see. And they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. I think that a lot of people recognize that when pushed, self-defense is a legitimate response to white supremacy and neo-Nazi violence. The problem is to equate the violence in reaction against bigotry with the bigotry itself is to misunderstand the fact that when you go to cancer treatment, the radiation is tough treatment, but it is meant to remove the cancer. There's a group of anti-fascists called the Black Bloc, which do tend to get violent. Their idea is, look, nonviolence hasn't worked and we are going to try to stop this. Thuggishness is thuggishness wh- wherever it comes from politically and, and we should be the first to call it out. I disagree. So the 2020 Black Lives Matter riots, they saw at least 25 people killed, including cops, by the way. Thousands of cops injured. There was over $2 billion in damage. There were whole communities left in ruins. Even black-owned, like small businesses, burned to the ground. And the, the, the lies of Black Lives Matter sparked a violent crime wave across the country. And the Democrat politicians, they supported it. They cheered it on. AOC, she said in a tweet right before January 6th, she was saying, it's fine if personal property gets burned to the ground because, as she said, Protests are supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> if, you're, if your business gets burned to the ground, well, hey, that might make you uncomfortable, but protests are supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. That was her stance up until the protest came to her workplace. 
But when it was private citizens of America having their workplaces and their homes, their businesses burned down, she said, hey, that's just personal property. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, during the 2020 riots, they were bailing rioters out of jail so that the Black Lives Matter rioters could go back to rioting. They visited rapists like Jacob Blake in the hospital. And then they came out and they talked about what a fine person he was. They repeated the liberal media lies about cops shooting unarmed black people, which were the lies that caused these riots in the first place. So the most horrible thing about January 6th was really that the Republicans finally acted as badly as Democrats. The Republicans, they had just witnessed Democrats be sore losers so many times they had seen Democrats engage in political violence for months with no repercussions, and they believed that they could behave the same way and get away with it. They, they forgot that Democrats get to play under different rules than Republicans. Because Democrats, they get to commit arson, burn businesses down, kill people, and the left-wing politicians will cover for them in a way that the right, right-wing politicians won't. The social media and the news media, they'll cover up the criminal action of left-wing demonstration violence. They come up with new words and, and new definitions to gaslight you. They won't do that with right-wing violence. So the Republicans that day in January 6th, they thought they could do their own riot and, and they got shut down. And I'm not making excuses for them. I have no sympathy for them. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm consistent. I don't care who's doing it. I think any politically motivated politically motivated violence is wrong so i'm against it of any kind from any source there's no justification for it whatsoever unfortunately the left is not consistent on that matter so point number two i guess that we're on i just want to make two points about context just to repeat both of them because we have to remember the context as we look at january 6th number one the political left constantly complains about elections being fraudulent and stolen And number two, the political left routinely engages in political violence and Democratic politicians encourage it. Okay, here's another point I want to see made today. Another lie frequently repeated about that day. The claim that January 6th was an insurrection. This is a really good test to see if someone has drank the media Kool-Aid. This is a great test of whether someone can think for themselves or whether they're just going to parrot what the Democrats and the media tell them to think. It's how do they define that January 6th event? Because the most common term that I hear, I hear it called the January 6th insurrection. Now, if you hear anyone calling it that, it frankly just means that they're brainwashed. It was not an insurrection. And I can prove that to you in a very simple way. But before I do, I just want, I want you to know, if you, if you want to test yourself, whether you're able to think for yourself, Just ask yourself this. Do I refer to January 6th as the insurrection? Because it was not. That's just a propaganda term. It's a liberal propaganda term. And because the media are just liberal activists, they use it. But but insurrection is factually incorrect. Insurrection is a propaganda term. And how can I prove this? If you ever hear anyone use the phrase January 6th insurrection, just ask them. If that was an insurrection, why wasn't anybody who participated in it charged with insurrection? 
Because insurrection is an actual criminal charge. It has an evidentiary standard, and if it meets that standard, then you can charge somebody with it. And the hundreds of people who participated in the January 6th riot who were arrested and are now on trial, none of them have been charged with insurrection. Not a single one. Again, why? Insurrection is a specific criminal charge. But nobody's been charged with insurrection. Some Democrats also want to label it treason. Not a single person has been charged with treason. Some Democrats want to label it terrorism. Not a single person has been charged with terrorism. So these are all propaganda terms. It is literally not an insurrection or terrorism or treason in a literal sense. So these are all just emotional, dramatic language. Now, I will give politicians a pass on using emotional, dramatic language. (laughs) That's their First Amendment right, okay? Morally speaking, it might not technically be true, but, I mean, both sides of the political aisle have used exaggerated language to rip into their opponents, so I'm not going to clutch my pearls over it, okay? Not saying I support lying. I'm just saying if Democrat politicians, if they want to use silly phrases like insurrection to describe a group of individuals who didn't commit insurrection, you know, they can go ahead and do that. We can laugh at them and move on. The problem that I'm talking about today is that the news media calls it an insurrection. A politician's job is not really to tell you the truth, (laughs) realistically speaking. The media's job, though, is to tell you the truth. And they lie to you every day. When they call it an insurrection every day for 365 days straight, They're lying to you for 365 days straight, okay? Because it was not an insurrection. If it was, why has nobody been charged with insurrection? Those those are just liberal, emotional, dramatic propaganda terms. Any news media who uses left-wing vocabulary, they're just being left-wing activists, which, by the way, is essentially all the media, as you can see. And also, what is it about that day that actually makes it an insurrection, Is it because it was on federal property? Because a lot of federal property was attacked by Black Lives Matter in 2020. And Donald Trump defended that property, which is, it's actually his legal and constitutional duty to do so as president, that he had people arrested for trying to burn down federal property like courthouses. And whenever he had people arrested and thrown in jail for doing those things, he was called the white supremacist over that, and he was accused of using law enforcement, you know, as his personal Gestapo. And of course, now that when the left complains that when the Capitol is under attack, they say Trump, that he waited too long to send law enforcement in to clear it out. So when it's left-wing activists who are ransacking federal property, of course, they say Trump is being evil to arrest them and defend it. But when it's right-wing activists doing the same thing, well, now suddenly Trump is evil if he waits too long to clear them out. That's why um, you shouldn't try to reason with the leftists (laughs) because their worldview is so contradictory that it it can't make sense. That's why reasoning with them is pointless because they just change the rules every minute to do whatever whatever suits them. Uh, Merrick Garland, who was the, the guy who's our attorney general, we'll talk about him today. I think it was during his confirmation hearing. He was asked about whether... Um, the, the Black Lives Matter rioters who were attacking federal courthouses. 
I, th- I think he was asked whether they should be charged with terrorism or insurrection, something like that. And he said, oh, no, because whenever they tried to light a courthouse on fire, they were doing so at night. So he said it's not terrorism if it takes place at night. Yeah, that's the guy who's our attorney general who's supposed to uphold the law. <laughs> you can see he just makes up new rules as the left always does. Whenever it suits them, they just make up a new rule. Um, I need to double check exactly what his vocabulary was on that at that hearing. But, but that is what he said. That He said, oh, it doesn't count because it was at night. They just make up rules. And it was a lie because it wasn't always at night. It happened during the day sometimes, too, when people were inside the courthouses. But he just ignores that. He just wants to focus on when it happened at night. That's what politicians do, guys. Okay? And again, I can understand politicians trying to milk this thing. And that, that that's just them doing what politicians do. I can actually I can understand that. But the problem here is that the media lies to the public. They don't play fair. They don't play objective analysts of events. They just repeat what the Democrat politicians say. And they call it an insurrection or terrorism or treason. But no one can be charged with that because it doesn't meet the evidentiary standard. If it could, if, if they could be charged with insurrection and found guilty based on the evidentiary standard for insurrection, go for it. We'll call it an insurrection then. But they can't do that. It wasn't a real insurrection. Nobody had any actual hope of overthrowing the government. <laughs> it was it was just stupid, pointless, emotional acting out. I'm not trying to downplay it. It was terrible what they did. I'm just trying not to over-exaggerate it by calling it an insurrection. So you shouldn't try to reason with the leftists because back to what I was saying before. The worldview is so contradictory. They just make up new stuff all the time. It can't make sense. You can't reason with them. And this is why the right-wing activists that day, who, as I've said several times, I, I disagree with them. I disagree with their notion that the election was stolen. Okay? Even if it had been stolen, I don't necessarily agree. I, don't, I wouldn't support what they were doing. But I acknowledge that they are on the political right. They are Trump supporters. Okay? So they, but they should not have thought that they could pull the same stuff that the left does all the time and expect to get away with it. Okay, they should understand that the left has different rules that they're allowed to operate under because the left is always going to make up new rules and new ways to charge people. So the right just thought they could get away with the same crap the left is always doing, and they, they couldn't. And I understand there's a sociological effect. Okay, there's that mob mentality that when you're in a large group and you're doing something, you think that you can get away with it. Like you think that you're going to be able to get away with more and more illegal things because you think, you know, oh, hey, they can't arrest all of us. That's why Black Lives Matter was burning buildings down. Okay. One activist by himself or herself is, is probably not going to be throwing the Molotov cocktail. But, the, you know, they think, oh, hey, the government can't arrest all of us if we all do it. So they all burn down city blocks and, and they get away with it. So they got away with murder last year, literally. All year long or two years ago. I keep forgetting it's 2022 now. In 2020, they got away with that stuff all year long. But the right is stupid if they think they can get away with the same illegal stuff that the left routinely does. Okay, so they probably thought, oh, yeah, we can charge into the Capitol. They can't arrest all of us. Well, guess what? They did. And I don't feel sorry for you because you should know by now the left is going to change the rules anytime it's convenient for them. Okay, sometimes right wing people, they try to use the left's language in an attempt to placate them 
Never do this. Never say something untrue just so that the left is going to think you're being fair. Because once you start using their vocabulary, you lose the argument. You've given up. You've given up the very ground that you're standing on. Ted Cruz did this earlier this week. I think it was a mistake. He referred to that day of January 6th, he referred to it as a terrorist action. Now, I think Ted Cruz is a very smart guy. I think he chooses his words carefully. I don't think he said this carelessly. I think it was a deliberate attempt to to kiss up to the left so he could distance himself from the rioters by referring to them as terrorists. The problem is when you do that, you throw fuel on the left's fire because they're going to try to use that now to force Republicans to support whatever they want to do. This month, they want to try overhauling our voting system. They say that they need to do that to protect democracy so another January 6th doesn't happen. And now if Ted Cruz doesn't go along with it, they're going to throw his words about terrorism back in his face. They're going to say he's siding with the terrorists if they don't let him pass their voting bill because this is how they're going to play it, guys. Don't use the left's language to act like you're being fair. No, you're just, you're just surrendering to them whenever you do that. The other sign that you've drank the Kool-Aid that you can't thank for yourself, besides calling this an insurrection, I also see people calling it white supremacy. <laughs> this was another claim after the January 6th riot. It's not just QAnon. It's not just believing lies about election results. They call this a white supremacy rally. Now, listen, what, what happened on January 6th, it was already bad. It doesn't have to be white supremacy. It can still be bad. But the left, they just want to slap racism and white supremacy charges on everything. So that's why we get to have an everything is racist segment on this show, because they label everything white supremacy. So this is just another indicator that someone gets their talking points from the left that um, that they can't think for themselves. They'll call it white supremacy in action. Well, there is frankly, there was nothing white supremacist about this event. So... um, And honestly, if someone thinks that there is, just ask them how, okay? This will help people break out of the mental bubble they're in. If anyone ever tells you that January 6th was about white supremacy, just ask them how. They won't be able to answer that. It just reveals their brainwashing. It reveals that they've been brainwashed by the left-wing media. So guys, don't repeat the left's lingo. Just because they say something enough times doesn't make it true. That's just how brainwashing works. Let's talk about another big lie from the January 6th riot. I call it a riot because, I mean, that's what I that's what I think it was. I'm not I don't care so much what you do call it as long as we aren't overdramatic. If you call it storming the Capitol, a riot, whatever. I think the left doesn't like to call it a riot because when you use the word riot, it also brings to mind the daily riots that they had going on in the year before January 6th. And they don't want you to think about the fact that they rioted and looted for several months themselves leading up to January 6th of 2021. So I call it a riot or storming the Capitol. You can call it whatever you want. I don't really care what you call it. I just think you should call it something accurate that's not propaganda. So anyway, another big lie from the January 6th riot. It was that five people died that day. This is the classic example of a lie running around the world before the truth can get its pants on. It's that when January 6th happens, I remember it was a Wednesday. I can remember because I, I was getting ready for church that night whenever I heard about it on the news. And um, and I remember it was, just, it was a Wednesday, but by the end of the week, by Saturday, I think by Friday night, the media was reporting that five people died during the supposed insurrection. 
Well, as it turns out, no. Only one person died. And it wasn't even like a Capitol policeman or an innocent bystander. It was one of the protesters. We're going to have some more on her later. There is one woman who was shot while climbing through a window during the protest. And she was resisting arrest. And she was the only casualty that day. I've seen the video. There's actually video out there available of her being shot and dying. So that's just the one person who died because of this event. But the media, to this day, I saw articles this week still claiming that five people lost their lives in the January uh, 6th insurrection, as they call it. Who are these five people besides the one, Ashley Babbitt, the woman who got shot? Who are these other people in the five? I'm not really sure because it's, it's, it's made up. It's not true. So I'm not really sure who the five candidates for this are. Let me review some of the potential candidates for the supposed five people who died. So there was a protester that day who had a heart attack and died. This was before the riot even happened. They, they never went inside the Capitol. Their death was deemed natural causes. I, don't, I didn't even look up this person's name, but there, I, maybe it's not available. I don't know. But so one person had a heart attack before the riot even started. Someone just had a heart attack. Natural causes. And apparently this is considered a potentially one of the deaths that were due to the January 6th insurrection. Then there's another person, um, her, a woman named Roseanne Boyland. She was a protester and some media outlets report that she was trampled to death. Th this is actually a lie. She died of a drug overdose. She <laughs> was doing drugs that day at the, at the riot. Before the riot happened, she was doing drugs, and she had a drug overdose and collapsed. Some people stepped on her after she collapsed, but this was not what killed her. She was taken to a hospital, and she was pronounced dead due to a drug overdose. The media tries to sneak this past you, so they don't mention the drugs. They just say she was trampled by the crowd and died. Now, she may have been stepped on by the crowd, but that did not contribute to her death. That's just the way that the media tries to play with words and leave out certain details to make you think she just got stomped to death by this wild crowd. Now, she was a drug overdose death. If you hear about the person being trampled to death, it was a drug overdose. The media is lying. Then there was another police. There was this police officer named uh, Brian Sicknick. He died of a seizure the day after the riot. He died at his home. And there is no evidence that's ever been put forward that his seizure or stroke that he had at his home, that it had anything to do with the riot. There's no evidence that he suffered some sort of injury or trauma from the Capitol riot. Now, it, even if he did, I would say it's still somewhat ambiguous as to whether he should be counted as a death from the riot. Um, just to explain that really quick, and it, it, that's not even, there's no evidence this is what happened, but just to explain that, that comment... We generally don't count injuries sustained from, from an event in the kill count for that event. So, like on September 11th, 2001, um, we, we have our death count. It's like just under 3,000 of the official death count of the American citizens who died that day. There were firefighters and rescue workers who have, since then, they have died and part of it was due to, like, the ash and all the chemicals that they inhaled that day. There's some who, like, died 10 years later, and the medical medical cause of their death was connected back to September 11th. But they are not considered as part of the kill count of the September 11th terrorists. Now, I mean, that's—I guess it's subjective whether you would personally want to count them as 
murder victims of the terrorists? You know, that's that's an open question, I guess. But officially, they're not counted in the kill count. So if there was any evidence that Brian Sicknick was injured and that it, this is what caused his seizure at his house the next day, we could have that conversation about him. But I'm not going to have that conversation unless the evidence is actually put forward. <laughs> that evidence has never been provided. The, the Democrats have claimed, sometimes they claim for a while, that he was like hit with a fire extinguisher and that that's what caused his seizure. That turned out to be untrue. So we have no idea what caused his seizure or if it had anything at all to do with January 6th. But he's considered a lot of times, he's considered a casualty of that day. And then there were some other Capitol Police officers who committed suicide in the past year ever since January 6th. Now, you know, that's that's a sad thing that that happened. Um, there's no evidence that their suicide had something specifically to do with January 6th. And I can't imagine really why those events, why they would cause someone to commit suicide. Uh, because even, even if, and by the way, even if they did, let's just say for some reason that you just have to imagine, because I don't know, if, no, no one's given any reason, but just say you just make up a reason that the events of January 6th caused two police officers to want to take their own lives, okay? Even if that was true, that still does not make them casualties of January 6th, okay? But there's people who committed suicide after September 11th. They're not considered September 11th casualties. So when people do that, what they're trying when they try to say those are victims of January 6th, it's just an attempt to puff out the numbers as much as possible. Liberal media ever since has tried really, really hard to claim that five people died as a result of January 6th. It's a total lie. There was one person who died as a result officially of January 20, of January 6th. It was Ashley Babbitt, who we'll talk about in a minute. Anything else is just imagination. It's speculation. It's people who died for unrelated causes. Okay. Bloomberg reported yesterday, January 6th of this year, they reported, Bloomberg reported, that four Capitol Police officers died because of January 6th. That is their own words. They say because of January 6th. And of course, the first one is Brian Signick, as we mentioned, that he had a stroke the next at, the, at his home the next day with no proven connection to January 6th. Okay, again, could it have been connected in some way? It's possible. There just hasn't been any proof provided. And I think the reason there hasn't been proof provided is because Democrats and media know the proof that if it was if they would seek out the, the truth, it would very well prove, possibly, that his seizure or stroke had absolutely nothing to do with the Capitol riot. So they don't want to dig into the truth on that. They just want to claim that it was because of January 6th. Again, no proof of that. So Bloomberg said it was because of January 6th. Then they mentioned three more police officers who died, again, in their words, because of January 6th. They mentioned Jeffrey Smith and Howard Liebengood. Those are two men who died from suicide. Again, suicide's always tragic and sad. But there's never been a proven connection between January 6th and these suicides. And, and I personally find it hard to imagine, even like imagine a scenario where someone kills themselves months later because, they're, because some protesters invaded the Capitol. I don't understand how one even leads to the other. I mean, again, it's, it's, a, it's sad. People don't really commit suicide for just one reason. It's usually a variety of reasons. 
I don't think Bloomberg has any evidence. They have no no basis for claiming that this is a death, either of those suicides or deaths, because of January 6th. We have no evidence for that. And then <laughs> Bloomberg lists Billy Evans as another Capitol policeman who died because of January 6th. Let me tell you who Billy Evans was. He died in April, which is after January 6th. He died because a black supremacist rammed a car through the Capitol barricade and and killed that killed a police officer standing there, Billy Evans. Okay? It had nothing to do with January 6th or Trump or the election. It was just about this one black supremacist nut job who rammed his car into the Capitol and it killed one officer. Bloomberg lists this as a Capitol policeman who died because of January 6th. I mean, these people are such liars. <laughs> they have, it's just a flat out lie. No other way to say it. The news tries so hard to make you stupid. Don't listen to them. These people just lie. I don't know how they even justified. I, I mean, I'm just trying to sit here. How do you, how do you imagine another human being Type that into a headline or news article or whatever. They type that in and send it. They submit it as, and they just, what's even going through your head that you could try to claim that a guy who got killed by a black supremacist three months later, that you could try to claim that he died because of January 6th. I can't even wrap my mind around just the, the blatant deceit in that. And then, Speaking of blatant deceit, AOC, I think she's got like three mentions today on this program. She tweeted in November of 2021, just a few months ago. She tweets, any member of Congress who helped plot a terrorist attack on our nation's capital must be expelled. This was a terror attack. 138 injured, almost 10 dead. Those responsible remain a danger to our democracy, our country, and human life in the vicinity of our capital and beyond. Almost 10? There was one person who died because of January 6th. <laughs> and she's trying to say almost 10. Oh, my goodness. Business Insider, just uh, on January 23rd last year, or, uh, yeah, 2021. They said, in total, five people died in the Capitol insurrection, including one Capitol police officer. And I'm just questioned, why haven't they taken that false article down or added a correction to it? It's been almost a year, and they've not even corrected that article. And even to this day, a lot of news sources are still claiming five people died. That's their magic number is five. And I went through like six different people who are candidates for that five. I don't know which. You know, some of these people committed suicide like weeks or months later. And that one Billy Evans, he died like he died in April. So how did they get five by Friday of the week of the supposed insurrection? And they've always stuck with that number five, but it's like the five people they count, it fluctuates. It's not always the same five. And actually only one of them died at because of the, the Capitol, um, because of the riot that went on. Why have they not corrected this article from claiming five from last year? They want the lie to continue. They want the lie to continue its journey around the world. They want the truth to trip and fall while it's still pulling its pants up. Well, we're not done yet for today. I want to talk about Ashley Babbitt for a minute. This is one of the nut jobs 
who did believe that the election was stolen by Joe Biden. And she thought that by charging into the Capitol, she might accomplish something. Ashley Babbitt was a former member of the Air Force, a uh, follower of the, the QAnon conspiracy theories. I've heard it said she was a wife and mother. I couldn't really find confirmation of either. It appears that she was separated from her husband at the time all this stuff happened. I don't really care to dig in deep into the details of her personal life. Um, doesn't really matter to me. She, she trespassed on politically sacred ground, okay? Which law enforcement does have a right and a duty to defend, okay? It was a riot. She was resisting arrest. And personally, I have a rule. If you are resisting arrest and you get yourself killed, I'm not wasting any breath defending you. Doesn't matter if you're a white woman, Republican mother of two. Doesn't matter if you're a black man with a criminal record as long as George Floyd or Jacob Blake. I don't care. That doesn't matter to me. You did something wrong. You resisted arrest. He got shot. The police can investigate whether the shooting was justified, but you still brought it about due to circumstances of your own choice. So if Ashley Babbitt had just stayed home that day and not been charging into the Capitol, she would be alive and well. And that's my rule. If you're resisting arrest, I'm not going to waste my breath defending you. And I know that with the media, like the first thing they care about is the skin color of someone who got shot by police. <laughs> so Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, they'll visit a rapist in the hospital and they'll come out talking about what a fine young man he is if he gets shot by police. I'm talking about Jacob Blake right there. If you're a black man resisting arrest and you get yourself shot, the media and the left, they will treat you as a hero, as a victim, because to them, a victim is a hero, especially a black one. To me, I don't give a crap what color your skin is. I, I care about what you do. And what Ashley Babbitt was doing that day, it was something evil and despicable. I'm not saying the cop who shot her is some kind of hero. I'm just saying there's there's only so many things that personally I'm able to give a crap about. And I don't care about everything. I can't care about everything. <laughs> so I don't have the emotional energy or will to care about everything. So my rule is if someone gets hurt or killed while doing something illegal and then a resisting arrest, I have no time for that. I have a limited amount of emotional energy and I'm saving it for Taco Tuesday. The last thing I want to mention today is the FBI's role in January 6th of 2021. It is all but confirmed at this point that the FBI played some kind of role in all this. And, and I've said multiple times on this show, it's time to disband the FBI. They're basically the Democratic secret police organization. They, they, they exist essentially to investigate Republicans and then try to create false flags that hurt Republicans. Like the white supremacist rally a few months back in D.C., it was actually, it was just an FBI after hours party, FBI reunion bunch of FBI agents posed as white supremacists and went to an actual white supremacy rally. They tried to do that to make it appear that white supremacists have more numbers in their organization than they actually do. And they do this because they want to help inflate the Democrat claims that white men are some kind of terror threat. Well, anyway, we basically know without a doubt that the FBI was present among the rioters that day on January 6th. In fact, it may very well be that they incited the Capitol invasion in the first place. Even if that's true, I don't find it really that compelling because, I, just again, um, the people who went into the Capitol did so of their choice. You know, like, the devil can tempt you to do something wrong. Doesn't mean that you're off the hook for your choices just because the devil tempted you. If you gave in to temptation, you did wrong. 
And just because the FBI may have potentially stirred up the crowd to go into the Capitol, even if that's true, it doesn't really change the fact that these Republican protesters, they still chose to go in of their own accord. So at the end of the day, I'd still say they're responsible for their decisions. Now, I'm not saying the FBI, if they incited a riot, they should face repercussions for that. Like, personally, I would totally hold their feet to the fire over that if I had the ability. I just can't do that because um, right now the Democrats control the investigative arms of government. And they don't want the truth about this to come out. So the truth's not going to come out. The Attorney General Merrick Garland, uh, he would not deny that the FBI was, um, he, that they were among the crowd of Trump-supporting protesters on that day. It, Merrick Garland was brought before a congressional committee last year. He was questioned about this under oath, and he would not deny when he was asked like whether the FBI had agents among the crowd of the supposed insurrectionists from January 6th. He wouldn't deny it. And obviously, if the FBI had nothing to do with it, he would have just said the FBI had nothing to do with it. But all he would say was like, oh, we, don't, we will not disclose details of investigations by the FBI, you know, until they're completed. So his, that non-answer right there proves, basically, it reveals that the FBI was somehow involved. The FBI has also specifically refused to comment on Ray Epps, saying they won't comment on ongoing investigations. And you might say, well, who is Ray Epps? Well, Ray Epps is a protester who was present on January the 6th, and there's video of him many times hyping up the crowd and encouraging them to, to go into the Capitol. He was doing that the night before and on January 6th. He was going around just trying to stir people up to invade the Capitol. Lots of video of him. And on that day, there's video of him assaulting police, not in a kind of in a mild way, but it was he, there's video of him assaulting police and breaking down barricades with, with the mob to force their way in. So there's video evidence right there that he's guilty. And yet he's walking a free man today. The FBI let him go. Why'd they do that? The, the people who were there at the protests, they believed this man to be an FBI agent. They were saying that. It's on video. They were saying that guy is a Fed, meaning a federal agent. They're saying that guy is a Fed, you know, before, before the insurrection stuff even happened. They were calling him a Fed. L- listen to this clip. I'm going to play some clips of Ray Epps. Okay. Listen to this clip of Ray Epps, and then we're going to talk about why he's walking a free man today. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. What? Tomorrow? I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to say go. It. I'll say it. All right. We need to go into the Capitol. We are going to the Capitol where our problems are. It's that direction. So without a doubt, if one person could be charged with inciting a riot or even an insurrection, it would have to be this guy. And there's even video of him mildly assaulting the police officers and charging through the barricades with the mob. And yet the FBI released him. They won't comment on him, despite the mountain of video evidence. He's a private citizen. He won't do any media interviews, which doesn't seem to matter much because the media is suspiciously apathetic about him. It's pretty clear that Epps was involved by some kind of higher power. And since the federal government and the FBI is not really interested in him, he must have been on their side. 
So anytime someone says, oh, hey, this idea that the FBI, that they played any part in the January 6th insurrection, it's just a baseless conspiracy theory. If anyone ever tells you it's just a conspiracy theory, why won't Attorney General Merrick Garland deny that they had anything to do with it? If it's a baseless conspiracy theory, why won't he deny that they had anything to do with it? In the end, by the way, I'm not saying all this to get any Trump-supporting protester, violent ins- uh, rioter. I'm not saying any of this to get them off the hook. Because regardless of whether the FBI incited the crowd, every person who went in there, in that crowd, they made the choice to go in there. You can't say the devil made me do it. So I don't say that to give the FBI a pass. I'm just putting all this out because I think it is part of the story. The media is not talking about it. And I just don't see... I don't see any way that we're going to get answers out of the FBI about what happened at that day. They have too much power, not enough oversight. Disband the FBI. That's my opinion on the FBI. <laughs> and if Republicans, next time they get back into investigative power in government, is sometime in the next few years, I hope they'll look back into this, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. So I think I've covered all this stuff about January 6th to the degree that I wanted to cover it. <laughs> this is shaping up to be one of my longer programs, maybe my longest one ever. But we'll see. We might set a record today. Let me just recap, actually. Let me recap before we go into some of our final little segments afterwards. I just want to recap some of my main points. The media and the Democrats want you to forget that they have a long history of political violence. Going back literally decades, but especially in the past five years and especially in 2020. And all of this did feed into the Republicans acting out violently back in early 2021. So don't let them pretend that this all just started with the November election and that nothing ever happened before that. This story started years before. And don't let them pretend that the left always just accepts the results of an election. Hillary Clinton, she was still claiming that Trump stole the 2016 election, even up to a week before the 2020 election. She was still claiming that. Third point today, this was not an insurrection. It was not terrorism. It was not treason. If it is, charge somebody with that. If you can't, stop lying about the label. You have to remember, when they use this emotionally charged language about that day, again, it's the, it's the politicians who are milking this for all it's worth. The media is just parroting the Democrat politicians. And the citizens who buy into their agenda, really what I think they're experiencing is like a Trump derangement syndrome 2.0. It, it doesn't matter that, you know, you can just be against the Capitol riot. They want to say anybody who voted for Trump or supported him in any way or had any questions about the 2020 election, that they are all these insurrectionist people. This is just their way to attack Trump and to attack his supporters now that Trump is gone. It's Trump derangement system. It's Trump derangement syndrome 2.0. Now that there's no more Trump, like this is their avenue that they can attack him and his supporters. And it's also to distract from the terrible job that Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing at governing. Fourth point, to this day, the media loves repeating this false claim that five people died because of the, the Capitol insurrection slash riot. Well, if you count the people who died that day as a result of that riot, there was just one person. It was Ashley Babbitt. And anyone else who tries to make their list, they died of other causes. They very well could have died regardless of the Capitol riot. There's no way you could arrive at five people unless you're lying. 
And you can't even arrive at more than two unless you're stupid. That, that must be Democrat math, though. <laughs> if it's that far off, maybe that explains why they think socialism can work. Point five, Ashley Babbitt was committing a criminal act and resisting arrest. As far as I'm concerned, I will waste no breath defending her or whether her shooting was justified. As far as anyone else who trespassed, throw the book at him. I don't care. And last, the FBI probably contributed to this riot. And it's my hope that someday conservatives who take over the government, you know, meaning electorally in our political process where the pendulum swings back and forth, <laughs> that next time they take control of the government in the next few years, that they will launch an investigation into the FBI's role in this day. All right, we will wrap up in a few moments with our Beyond the Headline. Now, before I close down later, I will go ahead and mention this here. If you'd like to get in touch with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, you can send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. If you see some fake news, send it our way. Whoever gets it to us first will get credit for it. And uh, if you want to stay in touch with us throughout the, re- throughout the week, we're on Twitter. It's at Fake News Weekly. Also, if you like Bible studies or if you just really dig the sound of my voice, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References. And this one has nothing to do with news or current events, but it is what I consider my main podcast. It has new episodes on Mondays. So you can go look up cross-references. It's on Apple, Spotify. It's on YouTube and Rumble. Wherever you get this podcast, you can probably find my other one. You can find my other one there as well. Let's pause here for a moment. We have actually a message from our president welcoming us into the new year. There's a lot of reason to be hopeful in 2020. All right. And before we go, um, we have a few things we want to do before we go. Uh, we got to do a thing that happened. We got to do beyond the headline. But first, what's racist for this week? Everything is racist. So what's racist this week? Well, guys, hiking is racist. Yes, hiking. Uh, the Sierra Club has a headline, The Unbearable Whiteness of Hiking and How to Solve It. And it's not just them. I don't know. I guess some of these news organizations, like, they just all must have compared notes and got together on this. Um, there was another one that put out a headline, Bad Things Happen in the Woods, The Anxiety of Hiking While Black. And CNN had a headline, Outdoor Recreation Has Historically Excluded People of Color. That's Beginning to Change. Uh, okay, so that's just more of what's what's racist for this week. We got three different headlines about hiking. I don't know where these people <laughs> come up with this, but they must have they must have sh- shared notes or something this time. Hiking is racist. Okay, and then another one today. Goblins are racist. This is courtesy of John Stewart. He's got some stupid show on Apple TV. Um, I've never seen it. It's some kind of uh, he used to have that Comedy Central show where he'd just talk about silly... He'd talk about the news and be silly about it. He's got another show like that now. Anyway. Uh, apparently, though, he did not mean this to be silly. He meant this seriously. He accused J.K. Rowling, uh, the author of the Harry Potter books, he accused her of anti-Semitism because she has goblins running the banks in Harry Potter. There's a bank in Harry Potter called Gringotts, and the goblins are all the bankers. 
And he said, oh, that's anti-Semitic. That's anti-Jewish. <laughs> Just to even hear that, to hear someone say that, you'd have to be like, wait a minute. John Stewart, are you saying that Jews are goblins? Are you the one who's playing into the, I don't know what you call it, the anti-Semitic trope conspiracy theory that Jewish people control all the banks? <laughs> is, that, is that where you're coming from on this, John Stewart? And so anyone who's a banker in a fantasy story must be a representative of the Jews everywhere. Is that what he's saying? Because I don't know how else to read that comment from him. It's one of these things, again, with the with the, the left-wing racists, when they accuse other people of white supremacy. Well, don't you know black people can't use big words, so you big words are racist? When they say this stuff, they're the racists. They're the ones who think little of black people. They're the ones who think Jews are goblins when their brain makes that connection. I don't think that's what J.K. Rowling was thinking. Okay, let's do a thing that happened. Uh, just a little thing here. North Korea banned laughing. They did this over Christmas break because they wanted to commemorate Kim Jong-il's death on, his, um, on the anniversary of his death. So they banned laughing for 11 days. You weren't even allowed to smile. I heard that to make this easier for the citizens, they broadcasted 11 days worth of Saturday Night Live reruns. So that probably helped the people out. All right, now let's do Beyond the Headline. Our Beyond the Headline today comes courtesy of The Hill. And it's an opinion piece. It's titled, The Constitution Isn't Working. Here's what it says. The, the U.S. Constitution is the sacred text of American government and civic life. But it's time to face facts. The document, written in 1787, isn't working. The signs are all around us. Just 38% of Americans in a recent Gallup poll expressed either a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in the presidency. Down from 48% in 2001. Congress, never high in public's estimation to begin with, fell from 26% to a mere 12%. The Supreme Court has also taken a hit down from 50% to 36% during the same period. Um, when I saw this headline and I started into the story, it was clear what, what, is this, what is this headline and what is this story trying to communicate to the public? What's it trying to brainwash the public into believing? And basically, the political left... They want to overthrow our entire constitutional process because they're not very good at <laughs> following the Constitution. It, it keeps getting in their way of being the authoritarian dictators that they want to do. Like this week, the Supreme Court is hearing the challenge to whether Joe Biden can just force 80 million Americans to get vaccinated through OSHA regulation. They want to do these extreme overreaches of power. If, if Joe Biden had the authority and ability to do so, he would mandate that every person in this country does not even have the bodily autonomy to decide what shots they want to get. He would force everyone to get vaccinated. That's what he would do if he could. He would love to do that. He tried to do it through OSHA. Supreme Court is probably going to slap it down. Okay, the Constitution keeps getting in the way of Democrats being the authoritarian dictators that they are in their hearts. So they want to get rid of the Constitution. That's why they put out stuff like this in the Hill. So they start with saying the public doesn't trust our political institutions anymore, which would the reason for that is because the left keeps telling them not to trust our government institutions. OK, more on that in a minute. Let me keep reading the headline or the article. 
One reason often cited for the failing constitution, <laughs> it's, as, I know it's opinion piece, but they just say the fa- it's just failing. They're just asserting that it's failing. To me, I think it's doing fine. It's a magnificent document. One reason often cited for the failing constitution are the people who inhabit its carefully crafted institutions. In Congress, serious legislators are scarce, as many members aim for viral recognition on social media. Freshman Representative Madison Cawthorn, Republican from North Carolina, he admitted, I've built my staff around communication, not legislation. Cawthorn is hardly alone. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia, Paul Gosar, Republican from Arizona, Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, and Lauren Boebert, Republican from Colorado, represent a new breed of legislators who seek recognition and are largely uninterested in passing actual laws. Yeah, okay, why did they only mention Republican politicians right there? What about Ayanna Presley? AOC, fourth mention today. Cori Bush, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Bernie Sanders. Bernie hasn't gotten anything significant passed in Congress. He's been there for decades. So why do they only mention Republicans? Well, the, the author of this, he's either ignoring the fact that many of the Democratic superstars are also just social media influencers. Maybe He's either ignoring that. Maybe he's just cognitively blind to that. Cognitively blind means he can't see it. Like, he's so emotionally invested in his, in his opinion that he can't see his own side in an honest way. And I would bet that's what it is. I would bet he can't, he can't see it. He can't honestly evaluate his own side of the aisle. So he thinks this is just a Republican thing. Back to the article. Disappointing presidents have become the norm. George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump failed to bring the country together, with Trump leaving office amplifying spurious claims of election fraud that led to the insurrection on January 6th. Dude, if you want unity, <laughs> maybe stop lying. Like calling January 6th an insurrection. If you want unity, like maybe you guys could accept a president that you don't like. Rather than doing three years of a Russia, Russia, Russia investigation. Okay, back to the article. Although it is early in the Biden presidency, voter disenchantment is already clear. And the unity he promised in his inaugural address seems as elusive as ever. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. As partisanship grips the nation... More turned to the Supreme Court to revoke actions that either party finds offensive. During the past 20 years, the Supreme Court has waded into numerous political controversies. In 2000, a conservative majority in Bush versus Gore found that George W. Bush's constitutional right to equal protection under the law overrode Florida's Supreme Court ruling that all, ba- that all ballots be hand counted. <laughs> so he's complaining about Bush versus Gore. Okay, 2000, the year 2000. After just, re- after just complaining right before that Trump shouldn't complain about losing a race. Now he's complaining about a race that they lost 20 years ago. Different rules for Republicans than there are for Democrats. It won't be enough to merely reform the filibuster, add more justices to the Supreme Court, change presidents, or surrender presidential powers to Congress. A document written in 1787 is inadequate for the 21st century. And, and honestly, guys, this is the goal. This is what the media does. It keeps trying to create mistrust of our democratic process among the gover- among the public, and then it writes articles like this to complain about how the public doesn't trust our process. They create the distrust in it, and then they try to capitalize on that so they can help the Democrats just throw out our Constitution entirely. That is what 
the Democrats would love to do. That's why they claim it's white supremacy, why they say systemic racism. They say everything about our country at its roots, meaning going all the way down to the Constitution that keeps getting in their way. They say it all needs to be thrown out. They say burn the system down. And then, uh, like, let me see. Here's another line from this article. The Electoral College is poised to create more misfires with popular vote winners not becoming president, as has happened twice already this century. Okay, I'm going to let me blow your mind for a minute about the popular vote in an election. We don't know what the popular vote in an election is because it's never been measured. The popular vote in our elections has never been measured. Why do I say that? Because we have an electoral college system. That means there are Democrats in Texas who never bother voting because they know Texas is going to go to the Republicans no matter what. There's Republicans in California who will never bother voting because they know California will go to the Democrats no matter what. And for about 40 out of 50 of our states, you basically always know what way they're going to go in a presidential election. So a lot of people just don't even bother. They will just stay home because they feel like their vote's not going to count anyway because we have an electoral college system. So we have never had an election where everybody believed that their vote counted equally. We've never had an election where the popular vote was actually measured. And Democrats have never understood this because they're always at war with reality. They always go for trying to get as many people to go out and vote as possible. They waste a bunch of time trying to jazz up California movie stars to go vote for them when they're going to win California anyway. And Republicans are just more strategic. That's, that's why Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton because in the months leading up to the 2016 election, he was making campaign appearances in Louisiana, helping them recover from a hurricane. Hillary was drinking at a bar on Saturday Night Live. And then she complains about how she lost the electoral vote, but she won the popular vote. And people try to say the system's not fair. Guys, we've had the same system for more than 200 years. <laughs> if you haven't figured out how to play the game by the rules... That's on you. The rules have been set for hundreds of years. In Monopoly, you win in Monopoly when you own all the spaces on the board. It's not necessarily by having the most money. Okay? You can own more property and have less money, and you can easily pull out a win in Monopoly very easily because the, the game is based around property, not cash. So if we're playing Monopoly and you just keep saving up a bunch of money, not buying properties, you know, most likely you're going to lose. Well, the, the past two out of three presidential elections that Republicans won, they didn't even have the popular vote, but that's because the Republicans, actually, they know how the game is played. They aren't chasing the popular vote. <laughs> the election doesn't even measure the popular vote. So that's why when you try to say that Trump lost the popular vote in 2016, as if that statement means something, it doesn't. It means even less than you think it does because it doesn't really matter what the popular vote is. But also the Electoral College election doesn't even measure the popular vote. So that, that claim means even less than you think it does. Okay, um, back to the article. Let's, we're almost done with it. Territorial expansion has resulted in 16% of the U.S. population controlling half the seats in the U.S. Senate. Okay, just once again. We've had the same system for hundreds of years. This writer in The Hill is complaining 
because liberals, they want to deny reality, while Republicans actually play according to our constitutionally established rules. So Democrats would usually rather play patty cake with their friends in New York and California, and they crap all over middle America in the press every day, and they blame us for all their problems. And then when the Republicans sweep up all those legislative districts in the House and Senate, then the Democrats complain that the rules aren't fair and they want to change the rules. <laughs> the article, here's how the article finishes. And we'll finish our program here today too. The article finishes this way. Thomas Jefferson once remarked, I hold it that a little rebellion every now and then is a good thing and as necessary in the political world as storms are in the physical. And then the, the author of the piece ends with this. Let's face facts. The Constitution isn't working. It's time for a little rebellion. Let me just ask you, could these words be taken as inciting political violence? Well, just ask how the left would be reacting if Trump had said them. Thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor. And by the way, if you hear that Taco Tuesday is nothing to be excited about, that's just fake news. Fake news.